You're listening to Radio Diaries. This is Joe. And I'm excited to tell you about the newest show in the Radiotopia family. It's called The Recipe with Kenji and Deb. I'm sure a lot of you listen to podcasts while cooking. Well, The Recipe is the podcast that will teach you how to be a better cook with tips from two seasoned pros, pun intended. Hosted by Kenji Lopez-Alt of The Walk and Deb Perlman of Smitten Kitchen, The Recipe not only lets you learn new recipes, but also teaches you techniques and secret ingredients that'll up your cooking from just okay to restaurant quality. So welcome them to the Radiotopia family. Find The Recipe with Kenji and Deb right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Radio Diaries is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates national average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Radiotopia. From PRX. From PRX's Radiotopia, this is Radio Diaries. I'm Joe Richman. Today we're bringing you a story we originally produced for This American Life. The theme of the episode was the rarity of changing your mind. And our story today looks at a group of people that might be the hardest to change, or at least they've had the most money thrown at them in hopes of change. Criminals. Our story takes place in Richmond, California. It's right across the bay from San Francisco, and it's been a pretty violent place. A quick illustration of that. This is the city's police chief, Chris Magnus, at a press conference, holding up a cell phone to play a recording made at 11 o'clock at night in Richmond. He starts to put the cell phone down, then realizes it's not over. Back in 2006, Richmond was named the ninth most dangerous city in the country, with 42 murders for a population of about 100,000. Then they brought in a new police chief and started doing all kinds of things differently, and it worked. Homicides are now a third of what they were. Crime has dropped in a way that is dramatic and impressive. And police say that one of the things that helped is a program called the Office of Neighborhood Safety, or ONS. That's a bland name for what is actually a very unusual program with one particular tactic that you do not hear about people trying very often. But before I tell you what that tactic is, I want to introduce you to the guy who started ONS, Devon Bogan. His big aha moment came when he was in a meeting with police officers. They told him a number, that Richmond police believed that 70% of the shootings in the city involved just 17 guys. 17 people. And I tell you, I almost flipped out of my chair because I was like, 17 people? That's nothing. Bogan realized that if they could reach just those 17 guys and get them to change, they could really make a dent in the problem. He asked the police for a list of those 17 names. He did his own research and added more names. To get on that list, Bogan said, you basically had to have shot someone. Next, he put together a team of street outreach workers. All of them were from Richmond. Most had served time in prison themselves. And he sent them out to get to know the guys on the list and deliver this message. Come to a meeting, and we will provide you with a lifestyle alternative that could change your life for the good. Bogan had no idea if any of them would come. 
The meeting was scheduled three months later. By that time, a couple of the guys on the list were dead. One was in jail. Four others weren't interested. But the rest of the guys agreed. 21 guys. Bogan has a sense of theater, and rather than hold the meeting in one of the neighborhood community centers, he had the men come to City Hall. The meeting took place in a fancy conference room with views of San Francisco across the bay. It's a square table, great wood, it's a good room. Uh, they come in and they have name placards, their full names, not the street names, information packets, things to sign. We wanted them to walk into the room and go, what, what the heck is this? But it was what Bogan did at the end of that meeting that really got everyone's attention, both inside and outside of that room. So I go into my, my pocket and I pull out envelopes. And I handed each of the young men envelopes and I told them to open the envelope. And they did. And they each had a $1,000 check. And they didn't believe that it was real. $21,000 and $1,000 checks were given out that day. The message was that changing their lives should be treated like a job, but the money was also a type of marketing strategy because Bogan wanted the news to spread through the neighborhoods of Richmond, and it did. That first meeting was five years ago, and since then, they've done it every 18 months with a new group. Everybody, do me a favor. If you have not signed the sign-in, sign the sign-in after you signed your paperwork, date your All of the guys in the meeting are African-American. They're spread out evenly around the conference table, behind nameplates with Mr. in front of their names. But these guys look really young. Some of them are just 15 or 16. They definitely don't look like a city's worst criminals. It's different from the meeting five years ago, because they've had so much success with the older guys. Now they say they're fishing upstream, taking younger guys who have gotten in less trouble. This is the youngest group they've ever had. Today's meeting is led by Sam Vaughn, one of the program's outreach workers. Everyone who shows up knows what's coming, that they're going to get paid. Sam Vaughn tells them straight up. The problem is folk don't believe, they don't feel like you deserve it. Folk don't feel like that's, that's a waste of money. You might as well save that money for the jail cell. We don't believe that that's the case. We're doing this because this community and this city cannot be safe without partnering with you. And you deserve it. So what would these guys actually do to deserve their money? They'll put together a life map with specific benchmarks, and they'll get checks as rewards for getting a GED, a driver's license, parenting and finance classes, job training, a job. For now, the first step is to agree, in writing, to an 18-month process of change and no gunfire. So if y'all don't got a problem with that, y'all can sign the first sheet. You should go to law school. So you can sign and say, yeah, so you sign both of them. As the guys sign their contracts, Sam Vaughn passes out their first reward. It's not $1,000 checks anymore, just a $100 Visa gift card. But they find it works just as well. That is a $100 uh, Visa gift card. Yeah. All right. Pay your phone bill. Buy some kicks. Whatever it is you're trying to do. Thank you. You're more than welcome. Thank you. Thank you for making us a priority today. We appreciate you.
A few days later, Sam Vaughn is driving around the neighborhoods of Richmond, which is how he spends most of his work day. Across the railroad tracks into North Richmond, and we'll ride around. We'll see folks we know. We'll hop out and we'll talk with them. Um, sometimes we're looking for folks. I'm sorry, hold on. Bruh, I'm all right. Sam Vaughn is an agent of change in the city of Richmond. That's his actual job title, neighborhood change agent. All right. This is what changing someone's life often looks like. Tiny fixes, being there to remove obstacles, however small, to keep the person on track. You just go up there and let them know you're trying to, you're trying to start a payment plan on a, on a citation that you got. You got to give them 10% down and then you can pay monthly. So if you ain't got the whole 400... Sam's on the phone with a guy named Cardell who just joined the program. Cardell was stopped in Sacramento a while back and given a ticket for driving without a license. He never paid the fine, and today is his court date. Sam convinced Cardell to deal with it. So Cardell drove, without a license, to the courthouse in Sacramento to start paying his ticket for driving without a license. Yep, you make the minimum payment. All right, bro. All right. I'm sorry. That happens a lot, because most young people out here, they never get their license because they've gotten tickets before they've gotten their license. And then they never pay their, their tickets because the cost of those tickets are insane, especially after you, you failed to go to court. So now that the seatbelt ticket, it was $92, now you owe 2200 a year later because you haven't done anything and you don't live at the address that they sent the ticket to. It's just, it's chaos. And now I'm ready to go to work, but I don't have a license. I've gotten to a place in my life where I want to do right, but there's so much holding me back, you kind of give up. So you're just stuck in this life trying to find any kind of way to make a buck. And it definitely, like, it deflates them. It gets them to a place where, why am I trying? And I'm sorry this young man is at the desk calling me. Hey, bro. Cardell calls back. Hold on, hold on one second. He doesn't have his state ID number. I'm so glad I brought this bag. But Sam does. Sam pulls the car over at a 7-Eleven, digs out a manila folder, and reads the number into the phone. Hello? It's F as in Frank. Driving around with Sam, it feels as close to being with a change expert as I can imagine. All right, yeah, right there, He's down. thought a lot about how people change. Right. So I kept peppering him with questions with the word change in them. 24 questions. I listened back later and counted. I was looking for some theory about what it takes for people to transform themselves. And he tried to play along. So yes, I don't. I know you're trying to get that little plug and that little one-liner. I just don't know how you're gonna make it work. I just don't. <laughs> but changing your mind is the easiest part in the world. Like saying this is something that I want to do. Like I believe that I can do this. I believe I can be a different man. I believe I can be successful. I believe I can be a good father. I believe I can stop using drugs. I believe I can get a job. And, and believing all these things is fantastic. But if I don't have the tools and the mechanisms to do something different, I revert back to my old ways. Like, if I want to be a vegetarian, but then there ain't no vegetarian food, like, I, I'm just eating apples. Like, that's the only thing they got. Like, I'm back on meat in a week, for sure. That's just what it is. Sam Vaughn, neighborhood change agent. We'll be back with him in a moment after a quick message from our sponsor. The Radio Diaries podcast has support from Bombas, a sock company which makes great socks. You might think socks are simple, but Bombas invested two years of research and development into building a better sock. They call it Sock Tech. And here's the interesting thing. 
Socks are the number one most requested item in homeless shelters. And for every pair they sell, Bombas donates a pair of socks to someone in need. So far, they've donated over 7 million pairs of socks to shelters around the country. And that is a lot of socks. You can save 20% by visiting bombas.com slash diaries. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash diaries. And then enter the offer code diaries at checkout. Thanks. You're listening to Radio Diaries. I'm Joe Richman. Sam Vaughn and the other change agents check in with the guys in the program pretty much every day. What's up, would you like me? You all right? Sam is here to meet with a guy who signed up four days ago. You got no belt? No. Why it ain't on your waist? This is DeAndre. First of all, I don't really like you. No, I'm joking, Doc. <laughs> He's 20 years old, although he looks 16. They're standing next to Sam's car, parked in DeAndre's mother's driveway. But uh, real talk, I'm glad you decided to do this. I um, mean, for me, what it's showing is that you trying to do something different with your life, and you, I possibly think that's that baby coming. So I'd, yeah, yeah. I'd ask you, won't, won't you tell me how that happened, though, bro? Like, and not the specifics, because I know how <laughs> it happens. But how did you let that happen? Like, how will you, how will you get to a place to where you feel like you're ready to, to be responsible for another life when you can't even figure out your own right now? I think this is probably what it took for me to see realize. You feel me? Like, what I gotta do to make better myself, so then I can make a better self situation for my child. I mean, congratulations, but damn at the same time. All through this conversation, Sam doesn't miss a chance to nudge, to clarify, to keep things realistic. When when she do? June 3rd. I mean, you got four months. What you trying to accomplish in four months before your baby get here? A lot. I need a job. All right, but let's be, let's be realistic. I want you to say that list, but then... We're going to have to be realistic about it, too. Realistic right. about it. So four months, what you trying to accomplish? I'm trying to accomplish my GD, a job, and and be wealthy. Who? Wealthy. You're wealthy. trying to be wealthy in four months? Like emotionally wealthy or like financially wealthy? Financially, you emotionally. And What's your definition of wealthy? Like what amount of money is that? A couple thousand. Oh, a couple thousand? Oh, you can have that saved for sure. Yeah, but I don't mean, think four months, you're just going to have a hundred stacks in the bank. Like, that's just unrealistic. I'm glad you said GED before job because that's being realistic. License. Everything. All right. Well, then that's what we own there. All right. See you later. All right, for sure, dog. Back in the car, Sam gives a recap. I believe he can do it. I do. I believe he has everything it takes to do it. But then he also has to get lucky. Like let's let's not let's not live in a fairy tale land. Like he's he's about to have a child in four months. So what happens when that baby needs diapers and food? He's gonna provide for his child the best he knows how. And that could possibly lead him to jail or prison. And so he's gonna have to get lucky. He's gonna have to be able to do some things that he probably shouldn't do and get away with him until he gets to a place to where he ain't got to do him no more. That's just being realistic. That's just, that's the reality of it. This surprised me, the pragmatism of it. They don't expect the guys to change all at once. They know it's going to take a while before they stop committing crimes, and they don't give up on them when they screw up. I met a graduate of the program named Devondre Woodard. He's 25 now, 
has a great paying job. He's a big success in the program. And he told me this story. Four years ago, he was doing well enough in the fellowship that he was given a special reward. ONS has found that even more attractive than the financial stipend is the chance to travel. They've been to Mexico, South Africa. And in 2011, Devondre was invited to represent the program in Washington, D.C. at President Obama's State of the Union address. I just, you know, remember Obama speaking. We are part of the American family. And I just remember as, as he spoke, he always paused. He, he never, um, you know, like professional with it. There was Devondre in the audience, in a suit and tie, on national television, a representative for the ONS program. The thing was, at this point, Devondre was still selling drugs. He had made changes, for sure, and Devondre says they were important changes. It wasn't the same drugs like cocaine, riding around with guns, looking for people. No, my life was totally changed. I'm not doing that no more. What I'm doing is marijuana, a bag here, Abe here, get pulled over with that. They're not going to take you to jail for that. They're looking for guns and cocaine. That's all the police is looking for. Before he'd make the jump and stop selling drugs completely, Devondre first wanted a job, a well-paying one. The guys in the program can make as much as $300 to $1,000 a month, depending on how well they're meeting their goals. Real money, but not enough to replace what some of them can make selling drugs. Devondre figured out a job he wanted, doing maintenance in an oil refinery like the Chevron plant nearby. He did a six-month training course, only to find out afterwards that he would need a special credential from Homeland Security for this sort of work. And Devondre didn't qualify because he was a felon. So with help from ONS, he appealed. He got letters of recommendation. He wrote an essay about his past and how he had changed. And he waited for a decision. About two years. It took you two years? It took me two years. To get those credentials? It was a waiting game. It was about being patient. And you liked the idea of that job more than selling drugs? Yeah, because it's a job. It's a job, a W-2 form. You know, taxes, W-2s, how the system works. The society system, the United States system. Devonje got his credentials and learned he would start his new job in a month. And it was at that point, 30 days away from a brand new job, that's when Devondre decided to go cold turkey on illegal activity. No more drug dealing. He said it was like giving himself a test, and he passed. I, I, I let it go. I stopped, I stopped doing what I was doing. I didn't have to no more. I just put it down, got rid of it. I'm like, I don't need it no more. Over the past five years, 68 guys have gone through the ONS fellowship program. How did they do? Four are dead. A few others are in prison. But of the 68, 43 have completed their goals and graduated. But even more important than those numbers, the overwhelming majority of the guys who have gone through the program, whether they graduated or not, have had no new arrests or charges for gun-related activities. And by majority, I mean 80%, according to a report that's about to be released by the National Council on Crime and Delinquency that studied the ONS program. Criminologists I talked to said anything over 50% would be considered exceptional. You'd expect most of them to fail. But the numbers that have received the most attention are the ones with dollar signs in front of them. There have been headlines like paying people not to kill or just crime pays. And internet comments like, so all I have to do is threaten to kill someone and I get free money from the government? How do I sign up for this gravy train? 
In Richmond, there are plenty of straight-A students or valedictorians from poor families who aren't selling drugs, aren't committing crimes, aren't picking up guns, and they're not getting a stipend from the city for reaching their goals. And Sam Vaughn, who's been with the program, working with these guys for years, he understands the criticism. I mean, I get it. I get it. You know what I'm saying? I understand it 100%. Like I was in prison. Society didn't think I deserved anything. But I got a, a college education in prison. Folks had an issue with that. You know? Like I work my ass off and I can't afford to pay for my kid's college. This dude breaks the law and goes in there and gets a free education. Like, I understand. I understand that balance. But once again, and if you want to call it pragmatism, yeah, that's what it is. I'm coming home. Like, who do you want to live next door to you? The dude who got the the college education and who was able to get in those classes and was able to to get a a domestic violence certificate or a substance abuse certificate, folk who really in there working on themselves, or the dude who's sitting out on the yard playing dominoes all day and working out. I mean, who do you want coming next door to you? Recently, a few other cities have been trying to do what Richmond's been doing, giving criminals money to turn their lives around. In most places, it's a tough sell. But like Richmond, these cities have been desperate. And sometimes that's what it takes for things to change. Special thanks this week to Ira Glass and the staff at This American Life, where this story first aired. Radio Diaries is produced by me, Joe Richmond, with Sarah Kate Kramer and Nellie Gillis. Our editors are Ben Shapiro and Deborah George. Radio Diaries is a proud member of Radiotopia from PRX. To find your new favorite podcast, go to radiotopia.fm. I'm Joe Richmond. Thanks for listening. Radiotopia. Radiotopia.